0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes we need to take a step back, look at the big picture in order to be encouraged. This here is a picture of the earth from the moon. During the Apollo missions, nine different missions, we sent uh, men to the the moon to walk on the moon, three men each um, mission, 27 total. And what we saw as a human race for the first time was this the picture of our earth and it's encouraging it's encouraging we i i heard recently in a podcast why why did we do this was it really worth all the the money and time and energy to send men to the moon to get a bunch of rocks and this person's response was, he, he, he said, uh, he could give a million reasons why it was worth it. But one reason is that it gave us perspective and, and encouragement. When men went to, to the moon, some read from Genesis chapter 1. Read that in the beginning, let, us, let me read for us. Just a little bit here. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And others, when they went to the moon, took communion with them up to the moon so that when they were on the moon... They celebrated the Lord's Supper. That, I don't know, kind of cool. One astronaut, his name was Edgar Mitchell, on uh, Apollo 14, and he said, when he went to the moon, when he saw this, he said, you develop in an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. I, I would say that we can be encouraged when we see the big picture. Encouragement, definition of encourage, is to inspire with courage, with spirit, or, or confidence. And so uh, there is... Micro encouragement, uh, and this, this is Larry's terms now, but micro encouragement, that, that's like if you're running a marathon and people are along the side of the road saying, you can do it, keep going, giving you some water, maybe little snacks. That's micro encouragement, but there's also macro encouragement, big picture encouragement. When we see, when we get out of ourselves, when we get out of our world, when we get out of our hurts and problems and see the big picture of what's going on, that can serve as encouragement. And that's exactly what the apostle Paul does for us in our text from 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5 today. He says this, "Therefore, encourage one another with these words." And again, 1 Thessalonians 5:11, "Therefore encourage one another, and build each other up, just as in fact, you are doing. And this is all in the context of the big picture. Jesus' return. Jesus is coming back, and that encourages us as, as Christians. It, the, the, the meta-narrative or, or big story of Scripture goes like this. In the beginning, God created. So creation, number one. Why? Why did God create? I've been asked that question before. What inspired God to create? Well, what inspires parents to have children? The desire to, to pass on their love. God Created the heavens and the earth and he created you and me and he created us perfectly. But, part two, the fall, we went and we messed everything up. That's kind of discouraging, right? And you see there in the fall how such a, a little micro kind of sin, just one person not listening to the will of God, taking the fruit from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what, what happens? <sighs> that sin, that brokenness, that fall, it spreads throughout the earth, throughout all creation. And so we live in a fallen and broken world. I mean, we can see this still to this day. We look outside, we look on social media, we see in our homes the brokenness, that plagues us. I can't even do the very things that I want to do as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. Constantly falling short of God, God's glory and God's will. And yet, third part of this story, the redemption. (laughs) Our God comes in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, humbles himself to be low, to walk amongst us, and to feel our pain, and not just feel our pain, not just empathize with us, but does something about it. He goes to the cross so that We can receive the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation that he has earned for us. So we're told that the wages of sin, what you get paid for sin, is death. Jesus said, okay, if that's the case, I'll go to the cross, take your death in your place, even though I'm perfect, and in in place give you my righteousness, life and salvation, forgiveness. That's our, our, our source of hope. And we've been baptized into that redemption. And finally, there's new creation. Just as God created everything in the beginning, He's going to recreate it perfectly when Jesus comes back. His first time that He came was Him initiating salvation and renewal and redemption for this world. The second time he comes, he will consummate, he will bring to completion that salvation so that the world will be perfect, no more pollution, no more wars, so that our families will be perfect, no more fighting, so that our churches will be perfect, so that that sin, and you know the one, that lingers inside of you, so it will be taken away forever. He will wipe away every tear from your eye. And that is our story that we live within. That's the big picture. Jesus is, and this is where where Paul is focusing today, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, it will be a glorious day. I mean, (laughs) Paul tells us, right here in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, that when Jesus comes back, he will do so, and everyone will know. Take a look at this. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet. There's not going to be anyone who doesn't know that Jesus has come back. We will know and we look forward to that day. We call that day the day of the Lord. Or the second advent of Jesus or the second coming of Jesus. Or if you really want to get uh, um, theological, we call it the parousia. That's a fancy term. I did go to seminary. I have to Get that in there, every sermon, just to, just to show the, that I did. And when that day comes, it will be a glorious day. And here, what, what do we do with this? We're, we're encouraged. We're encouraged to know that the issues, the problems, the sins, the brokenness, the death, that we experience today will not go on forever. So, Christians, there are three things that we can really look at for the day of the Lord. We can look at the reunion that we're going to have, we can look at the resurrection of our bodies, and we can see the redemption. That Christ has won for us come to completion. In our text, Paul first talks about the reunion. He says in verse 13, But, I, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Here's the, here's the point that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. We grieve as those who have hope and so the the, what's what's the Thessalonians concern this is a letter first Thessalonians it's it's a letter the Apostle Paul wasn't in Thessalonica at this time but he's writing to the people the church in Thessalonica he had been there a few months previous Thessalonica that's northern Greece he had been there a few months previous, previous. He had taught them, and then he got ran out of town by people who didn't want him there, want him preaching uh, the gospel. But he taught them about all kinds of things, about the, about the metanarrative of Scripture, about salvation in Christ. He taught them about the parousia, the return of, of Jesus. And he got ran out of town, so maybe he didn't have a chance to get to this issue. The Thessalonians, those people, in that church, their, their concern is this. What about those who have died in the faith? Now, think about this. This is what? 55 ish AD? This is early still in the life of the Christian church. And so, for us, 2,000 years removed, well, many people have died in the faith. This isn't a problem for us or something we wrestle with. But for them, Paul had been gone for a few months. Maybe a few uh, of their friends had died before Jesus returned. And their question is, what about them? Are they, are, are they going to make it? Are they going to be resurrected? Are, are we going to see them again? And Paul, his, responding, his response to them is a resounding yes. Verse 16 416 says for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first those who have gone to be with the Lord will get their bodies back will rise again and there will be reunion <laughs> reunion a good reunion i've went to my 20-year reunion a few years ago, 20-year high school reunion, and eh, it was mid, right? Like, it was nice to see some people, but then maybe, and this is probably my own issues most of, this, most of the time, but I was thrust back to like 1995, and all my insecurities as a high schooler uh, started coming out. And, uh, it's not how this reunion is going to be. This reunion is going to be perfect. You won't have insecurities. There won't be any bullies. There won't be the jocks that are making fun of you or, or whatever. It's going to be a perfect reunion. Family reunions, sometimes they can be a little bit stressful when Uncle Ralph comes and brings his political issues into that conversation, into, into that uh, feast or get together—that is not the case. When we're reunited with each other, you can all take a moment to thank the Lord. When you're reunited with Larry, you'll be reunited with a perfected Larry, <laughs> not Larry with all his baggage. Right? Uh, I've I've heard it said a, a, a few years back, we're at a staff meeting down at uh, my previous congregation. And we're just talking about some logistics. Uh, we got a funeral coming up this week, that sort of stuff. And one person brought up, "Oh, the tissues in the pews are, are getting low. We we need to resupply, re, uh, re, you know, yeah, resupply those, right?" And one person said, "Well, Christians shouldn't cry at a funeral, should we? We have hope in Christ." What are, we, what, what are we crying for? Why do we need tissues? I think Paul addresses that right here in verse 13. That we may not grieve as others who have no hope. We still grieve Jesus when his friend Lazarus, who he's going to resurrect just a few moments later, when he died, what did Jesus do? Jesus wept. In English, the shortest verse in the Bible. In Greek, it's three words. And so, yeah. Anyways, Jesus wept. If our Lord Jesus could cry, it's okay to grieve. We miss people when they leave and, and we're still here on earth, especially this time of the year. It can hurt. But we don't grieve without hope. We grieve with hope. Why? Because that person who has gone from us at the moment, we will be reunited with them. That's encouraging. I'll <laughs> get to see my, my grandpa and grandma uh, again in the new creation. That is encouraging to me. We, as Christians, we have hope. And that's encouraging. So, the, the next thing we can talk about is resurrection. The Apostle Paul, again, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 16b, And the dead will rise first. Resurrection is a thing. Resurrection is encouraging. Why? Because we, we don't die and go into the, the great unknown. You know, uh, one, one French uh, philosopher said this, uh, John paul Sartre, Sartre, if I'm saying that right, forgive me if I'm not, he wrote, death removes all meaning from life. Aristotle said that death is the end of everything. Another French philosopher Um, Francis uh, Rebellious said at the end of his life I'm going to the great perhaps hmm that's not what Jesus said (laughs) that's not what Jesus tells us that's not the hope that we have as Christians as followers of Christ he says in John chapter 11 verse 25 he says this I am the resurrection and the life Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Because Jesus lives, you will live. Because Jesus has a new body, you will get a new body. And I'm pretty excited about that, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what age we are. We've all experienced illnesses. We all have aches and pains maybe it's accelerated as we get older but the reality is still there but when we get new bodies I believe this that we will be able to ski moguls flawlessly and they won't hurt they won't hurt our hips They won't hurt our knees. They won't burn our quads so that we either stop or have a yard sale in the middle of the hill. We can endlessly do mogul run after mogul run after mogul run and our times are going to be awesome. Right? Ah. Why? Because we're going to have new, perfect, resurrected bodies in the new creation. That's encouraging. I would say, I don't know, what do you think? I think it's encouraging. Finally, we will have redemption. In First Thessalonians 5.9, the Apostle Paul says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God loves us. Jesus loves us. He does not want us to be in a perpetual state of brokenness and sin and death. He wants our salvation. This is the cross. This is our hope. This is encouraging for us as Christians. This is what we've been baptized into. We're baptized into the death of Christ. We're baptized into his burial. We're baptized into his resurrection so that we can also receive the redemption that he won many miles away in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. It's for you. That's the, the redemption that we have. Jesus is our hope. I will say this, that this is, this is the only source of true hope that we have. It's one thing to have kind of a pipe dream or a wish. Maybe, perhaps, someday I'll be with my loved ones on the other side. But as Christians, we don't have to wonder. We know it's ours because of what Jesus has done in your life, whether it be a renewal of your commitment to follow Jesus, whether it be a return to church and to your, to your life as a follower of Christ that maybe for years you've slipped away from, maybe you've never heard the gospel before, or not in this way, and, and you recognize Jesus is Lord, gives hope, gives Encouragement, I invite you to commit your life to Christ, to receive his gifts of reunion, of resurrection, of redemption. Last week had the honor, the, the privilege of baptizing. A couple boys from Open Arms. Boris and Brooks Wagner. Miss Jen sent me this video. You might recognize the other person in this video. That's uh, Ruth Weiss. Um, But that's there, that blonde-haired boy. That's Brooks, the one who was just received by Holy Baptism on Sunday. This is what he was doing on Thursday. (laughs) Me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes. me, yes, Jesus loves Me. Not going to argue with that one. That encourages me. I hope it encourages you. Who can you encourage? That's what the apostle Paul encourages us to do. To encourage others as we await the day of the Lord. Who can you speak the coming of Christ into their life? Offer them some hope and encouragement this time of year. As you do so by the strength of the Holy Spirit. May Christ receive all glory and honor and praise. Amen.